Welcome to the Young Mentors series. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Ariana Ivan. Ariana is a self-confessed solution activist and founder of 108 Forests and the co-founder of secureforest.org. Today, as a part of our Young Mentors series, we are going to find out a little more about Ariana and her passion for making a difference and preserving natural landscapes. Ariana, welcome along to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Claire, for having me. That was a very beautiful introduction. Well, that's why they pay me the small bucks. So, (laughs) (laughs) So to kick it off, come on then. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about 108 Forests and Secure Forest. Oh, where should I start? (laughs) I was born in Romania and I'm very happy because I got to really, really connect to nature there and understand how, like, where my food is coming from, how the forests are being managed, what does a healthy forest look like, so I'm really, really grateful that I'm, I'm from Romania because that allowed me later when I traveled around the world to understand, you know, what are the, the good and the bad things happening around, you know, the, the forestry system and the climate system and really the whole system as a whole, how we live and, and work. And now I'm in San Francisco where I started this organization called 108 Forests with the goal to really understand how we can support forest owners and just like any forest around the world to to be healthy. I think that's, that's the mission, to keep forests healthy. And there are so many ways that we do this with 108 Forests, but the core mission is to protect as many forests as possible all over the world so that generations to come have like a healthy world to live in. Okay, so protecting forests, I mean, what exactly does that entail? I mean, I assume not chopping forests down, which is kind of obvious, but does it include like replanting programs and helping people manage forests successfully? It's about managing forests. So the way it started was that before being in the forestry and climate industry, I was working in the in the education field. And I had a few startups in Europe and we've helped over 10,000 people, you know, with their interpersonal and career skills. And I was all over the world. I was going to all the conferences. I was meeting all sorts of beautiful people. And one of the conferences I was at was in Switzerland. It was the World Economic Forum. And there I met this person that had similar values to my values. And we started talking about about like the state of the forest and what's happening with the environment. And he said, you know, I want to do something. I really want to see how I can help protect our forest. I'm not sure what I want to do specifically. So luckily, we were both living in Berlin at that time. And we decided to to co-found a forestry organization in Romania. And we didn't really know maybe initially what exactly we wanted to do. But then we saw that forests were being cut down at like very, 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 very fast, at alarming rates. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, let's put money into like acquiring the forests directly. And then we are see what we're going to do from there. Because I was thinking, you know, policy or planting trees, but that decision in that moment felt like it was so needed in in like that second so that we would like you know do something to stop people from cutting down so we first acquired the forests so this is how i started 
And then after that, it, it led me to understand, you know, what does it mean to manage a forest? What does a healthy forest look like? How can you preserve, you know, the biodiversity there, all the animals and plants? So I really started to research this because, you know, I came from the education industry, from other startups that I built in the past. And I, I didn't know that much about how these things work. And I started to talk to the forest owners because, you know, as I said, I traveled across and I saw that the environment was looking very sad compared to how I was like, used to when I grew up. I grew up with this like healthy forests, beautiful, clean waters. And now when I was like traveling, I was like, whoa, I don't think this is how it's supposed to look like. So I started to talk to forest owners and understand why do they actually cut down this old growth forest? How, how, how? So the answer was like super straightforward and it took me by surprise, to be honest. Um, I don't know why, but they said, you know, Ariana, we need money. This is simple. I don't want to cut down the forest. You know, it's logging is super laborious. Logging is a very hard, intense job to do. I don't really, you know, want to do this, but you know, I live in this village that is close to the forest, and the main opportunity here is to cut down the, the trees. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so can you do something else? Can you earn money in some other way with the forest? Uh, and he's like, well, I, I don't know. And this, you know, just to give you a picture, these are people that, you know, they're maybe in their late 30s, 40s, some in their 50s. So, you know, it feels almost that their life, you know, they don't want to go back to studying or stuff like that. They've been trained how to work with their hands and this is all they know. So I was like, okay. So I, I asked them, can you bring people that can do yoga, meditation, forest bathing? And the person was like, what? What does that, what does that even mean? And I was like, oh, okay. What about if you bring people, you know, that do like research or that maybe know about agroforestry, how to put some food in certain parts of the forest and grow food here? He's like, what? So by traveling and talking to people, I discovered that they don't really know the opportunities that the world is providing right now, just because, you know, they live in like smaller communities and more secluded communities. And it's absolutely normal. So by, by learning and going on the field and seeing what's happening on the ground, this year I started, you know, separate from Secure Forest that it is in Romania with which we just acquired a forest. I started 108 forests in the US to actually bring different people to this forest and, and give them this title of forest caretakers. And these forest caretakers are entrepreneurs, are farmers, or like just businesses as an entity. And they come there, they lease the land, and they build an ethical business that has the lowest impact on the forest. This way, the forest owner receives, you know, a percentage of the revenue that is happening on the land. And it's a constant revenue, and they don't have to, you know, go and cut down the forest. This way, it's a win-win for everyone. The forest owner gets money, the community gets jobs and education opportunities. People that love creating, they go in the forest, create different projects, and everyone is, is winning. The nature is thriving because these forest caretakers are taking care of the forest. So now we have this forestry management model that we are starting to implement. Makes absolute sense. You know, my next question was going to be, you know, you, you title yourself as a solutions activist. My next question was going to be, okay, so what are some of the solutions? But you've given them to me. It's about, I guess, making these forests central to 
I guess, leisure opportunities, food opportunities, and creating essentially a revenue for the landowners without the need of destroying it. And that makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. A question for you. You very casually and nonchalantly pointed out you bought a forest. Can you tell me a little bit about how you managed to purchase a forest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, yes. Um, well, I had the, the luck and opportunity to meet a family office, a small family office from Germany. And together with them, I co-founded an organization in Romania. And basically from the family office, we got the investment. And then I went on the ground, actually with my parents. <laughs> and um, we went from like village to village to see what are the areas that are like being cut down. So we've traveled across, understood what are the at-risk areas? And then we asked the locals and the, the villagers, who are the people selling around? So from like word of mouth and then searching on the internet, we we got in touch with someone that had a few forests um, that he wanted to sell to anyone immediately. And then we just went and bought them. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Did you have to fundraise or anything to, to get the cash together to, to buy this land? Yes. You know, it's not the, the traditional VC or angel type of fundraising because my co-founder, you know, he's an investor. So um, he and his like family office put the money basically they supported into the it. Gotcha. organization. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's absolutely So that's brilliant. kind of like fundraising. <laughs> Kind of, kind of. (laughs) So thinking about when you were younger, when did you first start to acknowledge and and kind of act on your passion for environmental issues? How far back does it go? When I started my first organization called Interact Delta Tulcha, which is still a non-profit, when I started that, our very, very first project was planting trees. But to be super transparent, up until maybe two years ago, I was not aware of what's happening in terms of, you know, forest degradation. Because I was fortunate enough to be in places where Like, first of all, I grew up in a beautiful nature, very healthy forests, clean waters, clean air. So that, I I didn't know that bad stuff were happening. You didn't know it was a problem. No, absolutely. Why would you? Your parents must be very proud of what you've achieved so far and and that you've followed your heart as much as your head into into these projects. What do they think of your achievements so far? (laughs) You know... They're definitely the proudest. They're my best friends. I yeah, they're totally my best friends. It took us a while to to get here, I think, because they've always wanted me to, you know, be secure and, you know, follow the path that everyone around me is is or like not everyone around me because everyone around me is not following the path that society <laughs> gives you. Uh, but everyone around them <laughs> So initially when I you know, started the organizations and then I, I stopped university after a year and then I started other organizations, they really, really panicked. <laughs> they were like, no, please finish university, get this degree, get a job first, like do all these like things that, you know, they're like safe, just do the safe things. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) They wanted you to take a more traditional path, I guess. And how do they feel about it now? Oh, now they're like, whoa, 
<laughs> it worked out great for you. They're like very excited, but it took them a while because initially they didn't understand the life that I was seeking because, you know, when you're surrounded by people that have, you know, stable jobs, you don't understand what else there is out there. So they had to like take their time and research and understand what world I was like seeking to create. And once they understood that, they're like happy now and supportive. Oh, that's fantastic. It's like natural parental worries, I'm sure. But actually, you had a bigger job to do trying to save the world. Uh, <laughs> so what skills or attributes do you think have best helped you? Because you mentioned, obviously, being an educator, which is a massive part of what you do is educating not only landowners, but land users, I guess. But what key skills or attributes have best helped you deliver those key messages, if you like, to your peers? Well, there are a few very important skills that I've noticed that people notice about me. The first one is communication, being able to connect to people and create a relationship. Instead of like asking for things, I am actually seeking to see how I can help. And I'm not trying to be like transactional or anything, just being genuinely interested in how can I help. And that creates, you know, trust and creates a very genuine and honest relationship with people. Um, and the second part is this skill of actually taking time to get to know people, understand where they come from, understand their values, understand what they need, and then seeing how can we, we support each other? How can we help each other? How can um, you be a solutions activist, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know why it's like this solution activist concept? I haven't heard anyone else say this, but <laughs> one of my friends and I, we were looking at what's happening in the environmental field there are a lot of beautiful amazing activists and we were like so what solutions are they actually providing absolutely and there are a few but i was like i don't want to just talk like yep. I, I i don't want to just raise awareness because that's not my passion their passion is to speak and present you know show how the world is and then show them a lot of path so i love that but that's not what i love i love to create solutions and then after i create a solution i can just share that with the world i i Sorry. love it i love the title i love it because like you i have i've spent many many years listening to some really well-established and very educated environmentalists tell me about the demise of the planet that i live on but not enough yeah. people giving me solutions. Like, what can I actually do to help? How can I get involved? How can I make, a, albeit a small difference, on the planet for the time that I'm on it? So I, I love the title, by yeah. the way. I love it. Okay, another question Thank for you. you. What would you say are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way? This could be organizations, it could be individuals who've supported and helped you, but what are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way? Meditation. Really? Wow. Yeah, um, meditation helped me the most, um, like number one, and then second would be people. Meditation because it taught me how to observe and how to be at peace and how to breathe and really to to connect to myself and listen to to my inner self and just have this like inner peace and deep 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 connection and relation to myself but also the world around me and understand that 
everything is connected and we're all one and develop compassion and joy and peace for myself but also for the world around me it's amazing yeah. so you get that perspective from yeah. meditation what advice would you give somebody who wants to be more actively involved wants to be solutions focused what advice would you give somebody who's just kind of I don't know, maybe just open their eyes to the fact that the world actually needs a helping hand at the moment. What advice would you give them? There are two answers that, that come immediately to mind. The first one is about yourself. I think that if you want to change the world or if you want to contribute to the world, you first need to change or contribute with regards to yourself understanding how to be more peaceful yourself, how to be more loving yourself, how to be more joyful with you and have that in your life first. That's, I think, the most important. And this relates you know, to environment as well. If you are cultivate peace and joy, compassion, love in your life, then you're gonna you know, protect the environment basically more. So I would start with me first and then I would seek what are the, the smaller companies that are doing something out there and maybe like around my area first and seeing how I can support them, how can I join them. For example, with us, we give companies and people the option to become forest caretakers. And what that means is that you can either be a forest caretaker and preserve the forest. And what that means is when you become the forest caretaker, you lease the land. Or if you have a skill or if you want to do something new, you can come to the forest and create something like art or grow food that you know can help the local community or bring people that you can offer service to them. And this way you help that forest be protected while you create something for yourself and the local community so that's great one answer. thing that you yeah. can do great answer no it's a great answer it really is you know i think you're absolutely right if you're not in the right mindset and you haven't educated yourself it's very difficult to go forward and actually carry a message if you like to to people who may be passionate about what you're passionate about and to encourage that ripple effect i guess yeah, exactly. So who are three people who have been most influential in your life? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, the most influential people. So this is going to be a very cheesy answer because literally every person that I meet has a huge impact on my life every single person but it's not only limited to people it's also going to a tree or a flower or the wind or the bird or a building because of my meditation practice i get to live with awareness with so much awareness that by observing what's around me it really changes me every every moment so i can't pick one because Every person that I've interacted with, even for a fraction of a second, has taught me something, has brought something to my life. I want to spread this message that when you cultivate awareness in your life, you get to you know, find answers, not only within, but also like around you. 
So yeah. I guess it's like if you start seeking, you start seeing. And then you can obviously harness everything that's around you, whether it be natural or humans, to make you more well-rounded, I guess is what I'm trying to say, to go forth and carry that message that, that you carry. It's always been people that have somehow disrupted the traditional system for me. Yeah. It, like every time someone that built an amazing company that, yeah, they didn't go to university or someone that took years in like a meditation monastery and they've yep. come out after five years. I'm very inspired by are creating their own path. Yes. They're swimming against <laughs> the tide and, and making their own paths. Yeah. A bit of trailblazing. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. What are some of your biggest successes to date? What are things are you most proud of or your biggest successes to date? I love these questions because every time the answer is, it's not an external answer, but it's actually all the time it's an internal answer. So what the biggest, biggest, biggest one is that my ability to only breathe and do nothing, you know, which is incredibly In <laughs> hard to do, incredibly hard exactly. to still the mind and to do nothing is actually incredibly difficult. So no, I, I get that. I do get it. It's very hard. And I'm saying this because I just came out of a 10 day meditation or like three days intensive only meditation. And then the rest was meditation, but like also going outside and maybe reading or writing. But you know, during that meditation time, it's so hard to just breathe and observe your body. It's freaking hard. So I think that's like the thing that I'm the most proud of internally. And then externally, there are a few things. I'm very grateful that I have the ability to, to create this education organizations and, and help, you know, thousands of, of youth and, you know, people develop interpersonal skills that I think are one of the most valuable skills that you can have nowadays and you know understand maybe like what career they want to do next I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to do that and then I'm very grateful that I get to understand and create these models for forests and have the freedom really to work on on whatever comes to my mind I think yeah having the freedom to just create stuff that come to my mind is such a humble achievement. It's absolutely huge. You know, how many people do we know who, who don't have that freedom or the freedom to explore their yeah. heart's, heart's passions, I guess. Do you know what I mean? But exactly. you're a, you can inspire and educate. That is in itself a huge success, you know. Yeah. Um, and a, a kind of a, a peaceful way of living one's life to know that the time that you spent on the planet, you've spent doing good and not just to make money, to, to buy a house, to buy the car, to have the holidays and all the rest of the, mm -hmm. the trappings that come with business. Yeah, um, yeah I don't really, those are the things that I, I they're as far away as possible from me. For, <laughs> yeah, and you said this word like exploring. I think this has been my life until now, exploring myself and the world. Yes. <laughs> I was talking the other day with my partner about this, that it's very weird that we live in this, society that that we've created where you know we basically compete against each other like whose house is bigger whose car is nicer whose company is better or like who has more money instead of like working together and celebrating all of our you know achievements because we're like 
I want to see us living as a like a nation, all of us. Like it's not about us competing and has the bigger house, but like whoa, together as a whole, we've succeeded to create you know, artificial intelligence and succeeded to create robots and all this like clean yep. water and stuff. It's insane. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely. You know, bizarrely, you know, uh, and it might be a little bit off point but thinking about the coronavirus and the vaccine it's a really good example of that unity that you're talking about so when faced with a worldwide pandemic some of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world some of the biggest brains in the world from multiple countries through money at and their brain power at trying to find a solution for us and guess what they did it in yeah. record time. And I think exactly. that's testament to that working together that you talk about that, yeah. you know, potentially would have taken goodness knows how many years they've exactly. managed to turn it around in months. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah. What is the biggest fear that you've ever had to face and how did you overcome it? Wow, I love your questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's my job, thanks. <laughs> wow, I love this because usually I am the one asking this type of questions to people and I witness <laughs> there be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, my biggest, the one that comes to mind, I'm going to go with it, is that I've had this blockage for, the blockage of standing up for myself and you know, in this industry, there are like it's a male dominated industry, and especially because I'm younger, um, it's very challenging for, for me to be taken seriously. It was challenging for me to be taken seriously. So I kind of I didn't know how to stand up for myself and be like, no, you can't talk to me like that. No, you can't treat me like this. And like having this confidence in my skills, being confident in my knowledge, and just being confident with myself. That was a very massive blockage and it took me until this year at the beginning of the year to overcome that and i had to you know have a friend train me on how to to talk how to dress how to stand how to put together the sentences and the speech that i wanted so that i could understand internally how to like overcome that and feel that you know I've overcome that. So that was like the biggest blockage and maybe fear, but yeah, that I've, I've had. And I did it. I, I remember I went into the room and I was so nervous because I, I knew I was about to be very bullied. And I, I went there and I, I nailed it. And I didn't let that person, you know, put me down or make me feel small or anything so I was very proud and then after that I felt like so relieved <laughs> absolutely I think self-confidence you know that what you're talking about there I guess is is a combination of self-confidence and having boundaries you know and I think yeah. there are two things that are really difficult to cultivate particularly when you're in the minority and they do take like real dedicated effort and action yes. to overcome you know the most powerful thing i ever learned to do in business was say no because yeah. early in my career i was like yes yes i'll do that the first to put yeah. my hand in the air oh you you need that yes i can do that and yeah. it and it stems from a, a a fear of i guess of being needed of making yeah. yourself indispensable um, accepted accepted all these key things and then you reach yeah. a certain point in your career and you're actually like I am enough. I'm yeah. actually enough. I don't need to do everything to be appreciated. And also, 
I can say no sometimes. That's okay it when can, I'm oversubscribed. Yeah. Very powerful. It's a powerful lesson to learn. And it took yeah. me a good few more years than you to uh, to get there, that's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy because I grew up basically since like my first company, I was all the time, my, or my first organization, I was all the time surrounded. I worked with people, you know, two times or more my age. So I was all the time, you know, seeing like, oh, let me teach you. And it, it was good for a while, but then... It wasn't. So this year, I'm very grateful that I got to break this barrier, this internal blockage. Well done. No, absolutely well done. Yeah. I think that um, sometimes some of the most innovative leaders listen more than they speak. And that's yeah. how we grow. So well done to you. Okay, a couple more <laughs> questions for you and that's it. Aww. Um, you mentioned earlier you've been blessed enough to have the opportunity to travel the world. Talk to me about your favorite country. What was your favorite country and why? Oh, my favorite country. Well, there is a bit of a difference between a favorite country and a favorite place. Because... <laughs> now you're choosing your own questions, Ariana. Your favorite country <laughs> and why? <laughs> well, my favorite country is the Netherlands. I lived there for a year and then I went back and forth many, many times. And I felt very at home in the Netherlands because the people were so happy and welcoming and I love rain as well and I love water. And every time there was like sun and very warm weather, everyone would just like get out of their office and be in the sun and really enjoy the sun in such a way that you can feel it radiating out of their face and their bodies. And I really love that. I'm a big fan of Holland, you know, for, for so yeah. many reasons, you know, socially how they're set up and yeah. just their attitude towards education as exactly. well is just yeah. phenomenal. You know, they, they set their young people up to succeed, not fail. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. So tell me if people want to connect with you, if our listeners want to connect with you and carry on this conversation or in some way get involved, how can they reach out and get in touch with you, Ariana? It's 108forests.com. That's the website. And my Instagram is ariana.ivan. Ariana.ivan on Instagram. Listen, it's been fantastic speaking to you today. I genuinely have to tell you, I feel quite inspired. And uh, I do well on your future endeavors. And I love the fact that you follow your heart, not your head. And uh, you yeah. absolute credit. I really look forward to uh, part two in a few months time. <laughs> yes. We can revisit and find out what adventures you've been getting up to. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you as well.